everybody. Welcome to our podcast. Daja how everyone. So this week is kind of a relaxed week. We don't have any guests on, but we do have a topic that we've realized recently through talking to other mothers is quite a big issue in Taiwan. So we will be discussing that a bit later. But first, let's have a check-in with Cheryl. How have you been this week? It's been a good week. Um, you know, my husband was involved in an accident, so mm-hmm. he had a problem which uh, led to him having a blood clot in an artery and now he's just come out of hospital yesterday which is saturday the 26th and so yeah it's been good because you know smooth sailing i was a little bit upset because you know we're on holiday before we go back to work (laughs) and blood clots are scary yeah like i think most people can relate to worrying about having a blood clot you know when you get like a pain in your leg or a headache and then you like overthink it yeah yeah yeah. it's a blood clot and actually that's how my granddad died (gasps) he was in hospital having his gullet replaced and then he got um the literally the day before they he was due to come home um, he died and we were all like what but he was he was so help- like everything went really well and he just because he was lying in bed for too long his foot sw- it swelled up and then he got a blood clot and straight to the heart and died yeah they they Wait. do say that i saw him he has his arm was double the size one arm Oof. and they said oh my goodness you have to stay in the er he stayed there for three days in the er because they did not have a bed for him and then mm-hmm. yeah they were like you could have had a heart attack or a stroke or gone to your lungs and you have trouble breathing leading to yeah. cardio arrest or whatever so it's quite scary but um he's on blood thinners and like uh, anyone who has experienced or knows someone who experienced blood clot takes about six months for it to go away to shrink so he is on blood thinners pills he was on an injection and injection blood thinners so now he has to take medication morning and night for six months and then he should be he should be all right so we'll see we'll keep you updated but it's been a a good week Kira got her cast off because she broke her arm she got it off on Friday. Mm-hmm. So yeah, every What's happened with her arm? Is her arm straightening in is it straightening out now? Is it still like weird? Okay, so the doctor okay, my child plays too rough, apparently. So he said that the week before, two weeks before we went in for a checkup, x-ray. Yeah. Everything was fine. He said it's growing fine, it looks good. And then he got the cast off and then they did an x-ray and he was like, Oh, it's a bit skew. And I'm like, oh, oh. no. And he's like, don't worry, the bone, if the bone's a bit skew, it'll grow. As she grows, it'll straighten out. But he's like, what I'm worried about is the joint. The the joint is a little bit skew. But he's like, I'm not sure if it's because the x-ray was taken really badly at a weird angle. So he says in four Mm. weeks, we'll check. Mm -hmm. And if the joint is skew, they'll have to operate. But, you know, she has a weird thing, like her little arm. You'll see my arm. It's like, it's got like a bump. And I even I'll have a look today because I'll see her today (laughs) when I later. So I'll have a look. So you'll see. It's like it's weird. So yeah, I don't know. And your week. How's your week been? Very hospital as well. Like um I had a scan. I'm 23 weeks pregnant today. Yay. And I yeah, and I went and had a scan and everything looks healthy and normal and all good. But I did get sciatica and it's not pregnancy related actually. It's due from exercise and I have a quite a weak lower back. It's hereditary. My whole family we suffer with back problems and my mum did. Um, so, but what is concerning about it is when the baby does grow bigger, 
it could affect my sciatica. It could, the pelvic bone could expand and push on the sciatic nerve. So it could be a problem for me in um, my third trimester, which is not going to be fun when I'm working. Because, you know, I have a full-time job and I'm going to be working throughout my third trimester. So. I know. <laughs> and you have to walk up those stairs and carry books. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we'll have to see how that goes. I'll keep everyone updated. But if anyone did suffer with sciatica during pregnancy, please comment. Um, let us know. I really am interested to know how you got through it. I know Pilates is supposed to be good. So there's a pregnant woman online that does all these safe pregnancy Pilates that I'll probably start. And I have a cross trainer, which, you know, is low impact. And that really helps with movement in my back. It was squats that were... Don't do squats if you're prone to sciatica. Yeah. But that does get us on the subject this week. We are going to be talking about the healthcare system in Taiwan, especially um, because there's some things that happen here that don't need to happen. And we want to educate the Taiwanese women as well as the foreign women here that are new mums. So we recently reached out to some mums and spoke about this topic and everyone seems to have a really similar story. And we were discussing this morning how to pronounce this word. Yes. Um, and I always, I always worry about my pronunciation because I'm English, not American. Um, but episiotomy, episiotomy. Hmm. Yeah. What is a episiotomy, Cheryl? Yeah. So I told you about this when you first got pregnant. Yes. Yes. I don't know why I said this to you because you were just newly pregnant and not even close to birth. And I'm like, don't let them cut your vagina. And you were like, what, <laughs> yeah. what are you talking about? And I'm like, just don't. Here, the doctors are very, I call them like scissor happy because mm -hmm. my doula I have a I had a lovely doula her name's Angela uh, hopefully she'll be on the podcast soon told me that they have a 99% episiotomy rate where they like to cut and it's something that they don't even ask the mother or say anything about they just kind of do it and then afterwards you just like thought it's part of the process and if she hadn't told me about it I would have also been like yeah well you know, my doctor just did it and that's the way birth goes these days. It's crazy. I, I we we know we have a doctor in common, like a friend in common, and and she also says the same. Like she's like, Yeah, we cut like that you, you should cut, like that's normal. Um, it's makes for a quicker delivery, the baby comes out safer. But your doula, Angela, actually commented and um said here. What was it? Oh, yeah. So in other countries, so in Western countries, 10% um, of women get episiotomy, get their vagina cut due to reasons which we will go over later. Yeah. In Taiwan, 99% of women. What a difference. 10% yeah. to 99. Yeah. That's not even slight. That's a massive difference crazy right like uh -huh. I, I just didn't realize how different it was here and when you're a new mom you don't really you don't really ask uh, those questions yeah I didn't even know because I'm English no one else has spoke about um getting an episiotomy during um birth during labor everyone yeah. talks about how they rip which we will go into later because there are different degrees and I find that really interesting um but no one's ever discussed that with me so I come in as like you know foreigner why Goren getting ready to give like I'm pregnant <laughs> thinking about giving birth and then you come along and you say don't don't let them cut you and I'm like cut you why would they cut me like I'd never heard of it before in my life and now I'm realizing oh 
And you were like, oh, but if the doctor says it should be fine, I'm like, yeah, but you need to ask questions. Like, I just always tell people things because I feel like I was not told and I don't want my friends. Like, I wouldn't go up to a random person who's like pregnant and be like, don't let them cut you. But like my friends, mm -hmm. I would want them to, you know, I want to look out for them. So I was just like, these are the things that I didn't do. Yes, do it. If the doctor says it's life threatening, your baby needs it, you need it. Okay, then just like do whatever to save both lives. But if you don't ask, the questions and you don't do the research easier because sometimes doctors just want to do it get you out and then like go mm -hmm. to the next birth so yes it is a long it's process it's quicker it's easier and i think that they're used to doing it and i think in taiwan we do have a fantastic healthcare system here but sometimes the old ways they're set in their ways because this is what they know and they don't know uh, they haven't learned past that yet. Here it says routine episiotomies are no longer recommended. Still, the procedure is sometimes needed. So it's not recommended by doctors all over the world. But yet in Taiwan, they are recommending it to pregnant women, to women giving birth. So an incision yeah. might be recommended, might be recommended if a baby needs to be quickly delivered because... And then it gives three reasons here. The baby's shoulder is stuck behind the pelvic bone. The baby has an unusual heart rate pattern during delivery. Forceps mm. or vacuum extraction is needed during a vaginal delivery. Yes. And I would just like to add that is um, I my baby got stuck in the birth canal mm -hmm. for my when I was in labor. And the first thing that the nurse said, hey, can we take... Um, the forceps and help assist pull the baby out yes and I was just like yeah sure you know like is this normal and uh, luckily Angela my doula was there and she was like hey can we actually not do that because damage not damage the head like permanently but it does like affect it's like it just makes it worse and then they did say like then we'll have to cut you if like things get you know a bit weird down there mm -hmm. and she said oh why don't you just like push on the stomach help assist whenever she has a contraction and you know I gave birth like a few few minutes later mm -hmm. uh, with assistance and I didn't need all that and I had like the tiniest tear minimal and do you so, think you would have agreed with what the doctor had suggested if Angela hadn't have been there yeah yeah I would have just gone with it because when I was it was like really painful when I went there and I wanted I did want to have epidural. So my birth was really weird. So I got there. I was already eight centimeters dilated and I was in so much pain. And then they gave me an epidural and, you know, some woman, not every woman, the epidural stops the process. So I opened up to 10 centimeters. So you can do this. You can be 10 centimeters dilated, but because of the epidural, I couldn't feel my contractions and everything stopped. So I was open 10 centimeters, but my baby hadn't dropped into the birth canal. Okay. So I was, I was ready to give birth, but my baby wasn't ready to come out. So for about eight hours, I just slept. And then they said to me, well, we have given you the epidural. And because everything stopped, we are monitoring baby's heart. We need to get you off the epidural. So they had to wait for it to wear off and for the contractions oh. to come back. And then when the contractions came back, then we started pushing. 
So this is why I tell people, you know, epidural's great. It was amazing. Like as soon as I had it, I was just like, this is amazing. I'm going to take a nap. And when mm-hmm. I and I asked them, they kept saying to me like, oh my goodness, you're 10 centimeters dilated. And I told my whole family, I'm 10 centimeters dilated, with, yeah. you know. And like a few hours later, my mom sent a message. My husband's mom sent a message. She's like, where's the baby? Uh, labor has stopped and I need to go off the epi- epidural because I can't feel anything. They, right. Here we in, in Taiwan, they have a walking epidural, which is they feed it into like a tube mm-hmm. that you can like ask for more. Mm-hmm. They gave me the, the smallest amount and I couldn't walk. Like literally the nurse was like, oh, go to the bathroom, have a pee and see. And I was like, I can't walk. And, the, and then that's when they realized like something's weird. Like, I okay. don't know what happened. Right. And Angela was like, do you feel OK? And I had like a wave of I, um, I had a wave of feeling faint and I couldn't get up. So they just spoke to me and said, well, we need to wait for it to wear off. I don't know if you can start pushing. The baby's not dropped anymore. Like usually you you have the contractions. The baby moves more and more down into the birth canal. And so they were like, you're open, but your baby's still really far. So we need to wait for her to drop. So okay. we waited and waited and waited. And then it wore off contractions started again and I kept telling them like I'm really scared because it hurts so bad it was just the word I've never felt such pain in my life and I just remember telling them like I just want drugs or just do the c-section and they were like it's no don't do it no yeah uh, Angela was telling me you don't you don't want the c-section because you know once the baby comes out you will see you'll be happy with your birth plan and I was just like I don't want it anymore I have changed my mind and my husband was like no I know you you're just in pain right now and then you can do she it. came out yeah. and I was walking that evening I went to feed my baby everything was fine uh-huh. but I think that if the doctor had told me say oh do you want to maybe do a c-section or do you want to try like a I vacuum think, I you think know? you were at a hospital that has a reputation here in Taiwan with foreigners to being more open-minded, to allow the mother to walk around, to not push C-sections or epistemotic, epis, cutting the vagina. <laughs> okay. Um, so you were in it and you were with Angela who can also encourage and give you professional medical advice. But for yes. some women, that's not the case here. And they go to these hospitals and they just, and rightly so, like you, you are just taught to listen to your doctor And it's like, okay, this is what the doctor says. Do what the doctor says. This is how I feel most safe. Let's do this. Let's do that. But sometimes the doctors don't think about the mother as much as they do the baby. And it's really difficult to make decisions over a doctor. It's really difficult to think, okay, I'm not going to listen to the doctor. Is this going to benefit me? Is it not going to benefit me? It, It is really it's a really tough thing. And for me, I know like going into it, I'm glad that we're having these conversations and I really hope we start to get more listeners, especially Taiwanese listeners, because I really want the women here to know if 10% of the rest of the world is not be is only being cut, but 99%, like we need, they need to move forward with the times here a little bit, you know, it it seems too stuck in its way. Um, I am really interested to learn about um, the different types of lacerations. Four different grades of vaginal tears. 
first degree tear uh-huh. is the least severe tear. Mm-hmm. So I think I had that. I think I didn't even have a you know degree yet because they were like it was so minimal. Yeah. And then second degree is a second level tear and most common the tear is slightly bigger, extends deeper through your skin into the underlining muscle of your vagina. And, and this tear requires it, it, stitches. Yes. Yeah. And then third. Oh, okay. Maybe I have said I did have stitches. So now I'm like, hmm, you maybe have, I, yeah, because the first degree tear doesn't require doesn't stitches. doesn't. Yes. Yeah. So I I think I have second degree. Third degree tear. It it extends from your vagina to your anus, and this type of tear involves injury to the skin and muscle of your. Well, how do you say this? Prenal prenal area yeah. as well as damage to your anal muscles um these muscles control how you poop and you need stitches with a third degree tear okay so fourth degree tear this is the least common tear during childbirth it extends from your vagina through your prenal area and anal muscles Uh into your rectum this injury is the most severe type your you your provider may need to take you to an operating room rather than the delivery room for stitches. And this is what, when we spoke to our friend who's a doctor, this is why they do this, um, why they cut the vagina now, because they feel here, not only does it um, allow the baby to come out faster, but they feel that if you get, if you do have your vagina cut, then you're less likely to have a really severe rib. But the cut yes. is severe itself. I think it is a third to fourth de- or third degree, right? So I looked it up and they were like, most episiotomies are to second degree. But I don't know because like, this is what the internet says. Okay. And But like Angela said, sometimes, you know, you, you can avoid having that. But, you know, I, I don't know if I had... I didn't have fourth degree tear, but I did have a after birth. I did have a, extensive bleeding. I had a he, a hem a, hemorrhoid, not a hemorrhoid, a hemorrhage. A hemorrhage. A hemorrhage. <laughs> you probably had that too. Hemorrhoids. That probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, I did have to get moved to an another room to have like blood transfusions and stuff, but. When I see that, I'm like, okay, you have to be moved to an operating room. It's quite scary, isn't it? But, Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. you know, and- you, like Angela says, she says to ask all questions, even when you're in the birth room, to make sure you keep asking. Because here they like to say, oh, okay, you're 40 weeks. You're, we have to induce. And she's like, is there a reason for being induced? You know, do uh, mm-hmm. um, well, is my baby at risk? Am I at risk? If not, then you don't need it. Like she's like, just leave your baby in until your baby comes out naturally. When the lungs yeah. are fully developed, your baby, you will go into labor. But she always says, if they keep pushing for being induced, you need to ask the right questions so that you are not forced. Because sometimes it's not necessary, but they just, you know, this is the process. Like, mm. okay, I'm overdue. Okay, let's do it. She yeah. says only when you're at 42 weeks do you allow them to induce you because that's you over you you're now. It's more dangerous uh, for the baby to still be in you at that yes at that level. Yes. I think it's really interesting. <laughs> yeah, that they the way that they deliver babies is different in different countries and things that are illegal here might be legal in the US or in England and things that are illegal in England like the pill there was a pill that's illegal in um, all countries and Taiwan still allowed this pill and it's the pill that you put up your vagina to induce you right and I I can't remember what it's called Um, 
but I think now now they've stopped it right yeah and um people were dying from this right yeah they had like a lot of uh, also infant death who is more likely to tear during childbirth you're probably wondering these questions at home I think everyone is likely to tear but some factors increase your chances of tearing and these include if your it's your first delivery obviously your baby was face up instead of face down during delivery um the use of forceps or a vacuum during delivery a large baby more than eight pounds which i want to touch on that remember that point in a minute prolonged second stage of labor so the pushing stage being of asian ethnicity and then also you had an epidural so actually the fact that it's saying being of asian ethnicity is that why doctors maybe think that it's a good idea to use an epistemotomy epistemotomy you know because i don't like the fact that here and this has happened to you they will say oh well you didn't tear because you've got a big vagina yeah, well, I was about to say that my aunt, I told them like, oh, I had natural. Okay, so my family is very C-section, pro-C-section. Mm-hmm. My mom had C-sections. Everyone around me has had C-sections, all my aunts. And so when I told them that I want to do natural, they were like shocked. Like, why would you want to do natural? And I was like, I just want to experience it the way I want to. And I it's don't healthier to... for the mother and the baby. Yeah, I, I was like, I don't care. Like, if you wanted to do a C-section, great. I was C-section like, C-section yeah. is not an option in England. You cannot, you cannot choose to have a C-section unless you are very, very, very rich, and we call it too posh to push. Okay. Yeah. You cannot choose. You shouldn't be choosing a C-section. A C-section is something that should be done if it needs to be done. Not, not a choice. But here, it's a choice. Yeah, so a lot of people do C-sections. My mom loved it. She was like, I knew I was going in. I, I could get dressed nice. And I'm not saying C-sections easy, okay? I've had many friends who told, tell me it was horrible. They had a terrible time afterwards. Yes. And the recovery is hard also. Yes, and it's harder than natural. Yes, that is completely And there's true. a lot when more risks with C-sections. Yeah. And I just, you know, <clears throat> just wanted to, I just wanted to experience it. That's all. So um, she told me, my aunt was like, well, that's because you're half German and you must have a very big vagina. And I was really offended. Like, <laughs> what are you trying to say, dude? You know, <laughs> so, rude. but I was just like, oh my gosh, like stop doing this to women. You know, even if we are of Western descent or whatever, I was like, how so do you rude know this tell me vagina? Yeah. Um, you know, as we, I, I mentioned a couple of points earlier, if you have a large yeah. baby more than eight pounds, I feel in Taiwan, I've actually had someone say this to me. Um, and he was, uh, he's older, he's an older father, actually. Um, and he was like, you know, just keep baby small inside, keep the baby small inside, and then it's easier. And uh, and I kind of like at the time didn't actually think much of that. I just thought, oh yeah, keep the bit, you know, don't need to overeat, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I feel like here sometimes it's done to an extreme level, and maybe the statistics of like what is small here would be very small in England or America or South Africa. Yeah. So we have okay, over here. Okay, I'm gonna put my. Uh, it says that. Overseas, a normal-sized baby for a male is 3.3 kg average 
weight, which is how many in pounds? Let's see. I wrote it down here somewhere. It says oh, seven pounds, two ounces. Okay. And then for a girl, it's 3.2, which is, I don't know, what is this in pounds? Oh, seven pounds. Oh, sorry. 3.3 kg is seven pounds, six ounces. And then 3.2 is seven pounds, two ounces. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's the normal average size. And my daughter was 3.3, which is seven pounds, six ounces. And I was told at my 30 week checkup that my baby was big, like very heavy and that I'm going to have a hard birth and that they like here in Taiwan, they like to always have a baby between 2 kg in the 2 kg range 2.5 to 3 but more like 2.8 they said um this is from my, the my old doctor and i was mm. really shocked like so you want me to have a baby that is smaller because it's easier to birth it's very weird yeah. like and i looked up stuff and it was they say that if you have a baby with a low birth rate it's harder uh, to get them to gain weight mm -hmm. and they are harder to like if they get sick at birth they can you know lose more weight and it's easier if your baby is at a normal rate at, at a normal weight because you know if they get sick or something and they lose a little bit you're not so like oh my and gosh that my baby's that's quite tiny. common right like some babies yeah. are colic and they throw up a lot or have diarrhea so it's quite normal for newborn babies to lose weight so that's scary if their weight is already low this is according to the World Health Organization, okay? So I was just like really shocked by that. All of my friends uh, that are Taiwanese, they've always told me like 2.8, 2.5, 2.6. And I was just thinking like, oh my goodness, I probably had a ginormous child. And then I hear other people back home who have had kids that are like four kilos, five kilos. Mm -hmm. Okay, five kilos is a bit crazy. What I'm saying is heavier than three kilos. Yeah, so yeah. I just don't understand. Here they have so many things that are different back home. And I don't know if it's because they've just decided like it's just easier to birth. Or it is because Asian women are just naturally smaller. So their babies should be smaller. But it just baffles me that you can tell a mother. Because I gained a lot of weight too. That I need to not eat as much. Because if I gain more weight and the baby does that I'll have a hard birth I was just like yeah. really upset so I I did change doctors and I changed to this lovely clinic my doctor was not very um friendly like she just was professional yeah. she understood what I wanted and she just went with it but you know like people were like oh but she, did you have a good relationship with your doctor and I'm like not really it's not it's not like that here you don't really get to know your doctor and and have that doctor patient relationship I would, that you I, have I back have home. quite a good relationship with my doctor at the moment um it was really hard to find a doctor that spoke English um in the clinics that I had gone to just was just my experience I know they are out there um and she's really friendly and like she puts my mind at ease and she's been there from when I had an eptopic pregnancy up until now and um yeah she's I, I'm really happy with her and I really like her um, no, I think you should stick with her then. Like, it's very hard because I just go to my appointment, say hi, we speak about stuff, and that's it. Like, I think, you know, I do, I think I'm gonna talk with her about ep wait, guys, episiotomy, ep ep episiotomy. Episiotomy. I just feel like, <laughs> like I was saying before, it just sounds so American. And I, I like 
the way I would look at that as a British person would not be the way that it sounds. Um, yeah, I might go and discuss with her her thoughts on episiotomy and um, delayed clamping and um, the size of the baby and all of these things, because then maybe I would get a better sense of like and how like birthing plans and labor plans things like that and I'd get a better sense of maybe I should just stick with her and this is someone that um I yeah. want to deliver my baby you know because I I'm someone who's very like if I like Kira completely off topic Kira has a doctor we go see mm-hmm. when he sees her he's like you're back did you come see me and she's like yeah and she flirts I'm with him doesn't she me. Yeah, she mm-hmm. loves it. So I was just like, you know, I like that relationship. Like I with my old gynecologist back home, when I see her, she'd be like, and how was life? And she's known me since I was a teenager. Yeah. Like I went to her the first time when I had sex. Like she told me, when you first start getting sexually active, you need to come in and have a pap smear and get on the pill. And that's exactly what I did. Mm. And I and I said to her up front when I went in there, I was like 18 anyways, 19. I was a little bit later in life. Um, I was like, I uh, have had sex and now i need to be on the pill so yeah she was like okay and she uh, and now she's still even now when i go back i'll go for one pap smear there and she'll like ask me how life is and like oh you have a daughter how lovely and you know how are you enjoying it's yeah. like nice just to know that they care about you as a yeah. person but when uh, when i'm here it's like hi and they're like okay baby's good and I'm like, thank you. And okay, are you feeling good? I'm like, yeah. And then I, you know, I just feel like I can't really. That happened no, to me with my anatomy scan. I laid there for 20 minutes while she was going over everything. And then she showed me all the pictures. And it, <laughs> this is a different because there's like, it depends on who you get. But I normally book the woman that speaks better English. But I was, yeah. for the anatomy scan, you can't choose the doctor. It's whoever's available on that day. Yeah. And I was like, oh no, it's her. And she's very good. She's very professional. She's very good. Um, she really tries to speak English with me I really appreciate that she's a lovely lady she's just very cold and after we'd finished she just got up and she was like okay and she just walked out and I was just like, oh yeah and then Colin was just like oh and then we like we laughed it off because we were just like it's just her personality and it's funny but it's just funny that like you know just any questions or anything nothing like that just like okay and then just got up yeah and we were like oh okay (laughs) Okay then. So this is what I mean, like as you know. So when you find a good doctor, you should stick with them. Yeah, it's very hard to find. Yeah, like I go to my my gynecologist appointment now. It's a man, and I like go in, and he's like, take your pants off and put yourself on the table, and then I'm like, okay, and then. Like, it's not like there you get a little robe and you can feel like, okay, I'm secure. Like, yeah. He's just like, take your take your clothes off and put it on that table. And you're like sitting there in your shirt and you're like exposed and he just walks in. He's like, okay. And he like puts it in stirrups like, yeah. And I'm like, no, <sighs> I feel so, I feel so vulnerable. And then the next client is like, they call them in. They're not in the same room as you, but there's just like a curtain mm-hmm. and the next person's sitting there waiting for theirs. And then he's like, okay, put your clothes. And then, the, and then he's already like with the next person in the next behind the curtain, like, okay, what's wrong with you? Yeah. But I think that the healthcare system is so good here, but that's also a, a negative because I think they're very overwhelmed with people that they're trying yes. to get through everyone. And, you know, we're a small Island with 23 point something million people. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it is, it is crazy. It's- a very dense little island. Yeah, yeah. Um, but again, we wanted to make this episode so that people out there, if you're a new mum 
and you're of Western origin and you're here. Um, these are things you have to think about that I didn't know either until I met you. And um, there are lots of other things like how to give birth and labor and, and things like that that you have to be careful with. Next week, we will hopefully have a guest on who um, gave birth in Taiwan. And we want to talk yes. with her because I do want to mention um, ways to give birth, like um, the yeah. traditional ways. And like you mentioned earlier with um, an epi a walking epidural. I didn't know about that. So I think next week we can talk a little bit about positions of giving birth and how to give birth in Taiwan, which a lot of hospitals are not okay with. There are yes. some. So I yeah. think we should save that for next week and our guest and see how she did it. Well, thanks, everyone. I hope this was informative. Yeah. Because yes. um, it definitely helped me. Otherwise, I would have been lying there. Yeah, I hope you guys learned something and was like, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Even if you have given birth a few times. <laughs> yeah, like you don't need to cut your vagina unless you need to cut your vagina. Okay? Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, everyone. And we'll see you next week. Thank you. Bye. Bye. -bye.